Hello, and welcome to the Sasha Sessions, a Team USA podcast. I'm your host, Sasha Cohen, Olympic silver medalist in figure skating. Joining me this week is Matt Scott, gold medalist in wheelchair basketball. Matt is a four-time Paralympian training for his fifth games this summer in Tokyo. He shares his infectious, positive mentality and the milestones on the way that shaped his worldview. Matt, thank you so much for joining me today. I was absolutely blown away doing research for this interview by your accomplishments, your attitude, what you choose to stand for, but maybe most of all that you're still competing. And to give the audience some context, you're a four-time Paralympian, two-time Paralympic medalist, and you've been competing at the highest level since 2004, and it's 2021. Um, so mentally and physically, I have to ask you how you do it. It's I love that intro, the the two-time medalist, four-time Paralympian. That that's my favorite thing to hear. Um, it's it's because I love this game so much. Um, I love wheelchair basketball with all of my heart. And you know, there's that there's that old saying that if you do something that you love, it's never work. Um, when I go to the gym, when I pick up a basketball, when I'm out there with my teammates, I never feel like I'm working. Um, I'm just contributing to to the love of the game that I that I have. That's that's never dying. Um, the Paralympic movement is is growing exponentially, and I, I'm just proud to be a part of that that movement. For context, I'll say that the last time I competed at the Olympic level was 2006, and I can tell you that 14, 15 years later. There's no way that my body could handle anything close to the training I used to do or physically the technical skills that, that were needed in my sport. And so it's obvious that, obvious that you have this, this sense of passion that, that drives you and motivates you. But I'd love to know physically as an athlete how you've changed your training routine over time or as a more mature athlete, you know, the mental side evolves and you get stronger. At 15, your body's very different than when you're in your 30s. And so I'd love to hear how you've navigated that. That's a, that's that's quite the statement that you made. It's, it's, it's so true. Um, you, ha- you have to make these different sort of changes in your game as, as you grow with it. Um, I, I think when I first started playing wheelchair basketball, I was just talented. Like I, I was, I could, I could just go out and do it. I had this raw talent. Um, I, I was fortunate enough to get get you know some of the better coaches and and, and train them along some of the the greatest players to ever play the game. Um, so I had I had that you know in front of me. But um, as I grew in the game, um, it wasn't just about talent. It was about you know using using you know the the mental part of the game. Just you know being smart about things. Um, you know using using my using my wits um, when it comes to training. Um, also, nutrition has played a big role in that. Um, when I first started playing and I was, you know, a college kid, you know, I'd you know, play a tournament and finish that off with a 20 piece of nuggets or something like that, or, you know, the, the pizza to, to celebrate a win. Um, now you'll, you'll see me with, you know, not, not that, you know, cause I know that my body cannot handle it. You know, I've, I'm eating, I'm eating the, the best things I possibly can. You know, it's more, um, you know, high protein, a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of, fruits and vegetables and, and a lot less of the of the junk food. And I think um, treating my body as if it was some sort of, you know, high, you know, high, like a, like a machine, you know, I, I treat my body like a machine. You know, if, if it's, uh, if you, if you have a sports car, um, you, you don't want to put terrible, terrible gasoline in it and fuel it the right way or fuel it the wrong way. Um, I treat myself that way. Um, I want to give myself the best fuel, um, and I want to be the Ferrari out there and not the, uh, 
whatever, whatever, whatever the uh, the under the undercar would be. Well, your longevity is is pretty remarkable. You won gold in Rio in 2016, and you said that that was your ultimate dream come true. And I, I want to ask you when that dream first materialized, when you realized that this was a goal of yours and, you know, maybe some notable moments on the road on the way there. So when I first made the national team um, in 2004, I went, went to my first Paralympics. Um, of course, I wanted to go out there and, and win it all. Um, you know, I was just a, just an 18-year-old kid, um, just, you know, kind of wanted to, wanted to do it all. And um, we got we got knocked off. We didn't medal, um, and I was I was terribly disappointed. Um, I, I remember crying on the court when we lost the game in the quarterfinals, and just really really disappointed. But I hadn't really I hadn't earned it yet. You know, I was just I was still a kid. I just made the national team. You know, I hadn't hadn't earned it yet. That that disappointment was one of the things that um, that I think set that goal into motion because I knew that. I knew that my my passion and my love and my 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 skill in the game um, was good enough to reach the pinnacle of, of the sport, um, and I knew that I just needed to pay my dues. So, um, you know, climbing up that mountain, each you know each time we would get a little bit more success, each time we would become a little bit better as a team, I could taste it, I could feel it, I just knew it was coming. Um, and I think it was right around 2014 mark where I just knew we were the, we were the best team in the world. Like with, without a doubt, I just knew we were the best team in the world. Um, all we had to do was just put it together. Um, and I remember, you know, in that, in that two year span, we put so much into it. Um, and it wasn't, it, it was definitely a, a personal goal of mine to, to, to win a gold medal, but winning it with that group of guys was so special because I mean, those are, those are, you know, admittedly all, you know, all of my brothers, you know, it's, you know, they could they could call me at any any given time of the day for anything, and I'd do anything for them. Not just because we won gold together, but because of everything that we went through as a team. Um, and that I think that's what made it so special. Like that's what made the dream even better because of the guys that I won with. That's a great segue for me for my next question. I'm fascinated by the juxtaposition of individual athletes and team athletes, and how that goes not only into the training, but competing and then you know as as one moves on after and retires from a competitive career and I'd love to ask you what the the culture is like on your team and kind of what your role is and you know any business any team any organization has a dynamic and you know ultimately I think that's what can make or break it and you've been with your team for a long time you've had you know so much experience in the sport and I'd, I'd love to hear what made that a winning team and kind of the role that your personality played on it. So, I mean, I, I've been a part of the team for a very long, long time. And I, I feel as if, you know, I'm, I'm sort of, you know, a, a fiber of the team. I, I Like my, who I am has become very much a part of, of who the team is. There's there's not a quit in me. Um, there's, there's not a quit in me. I'm the least likely to to surrender at any given point. Um, I'm just a very stubborn individual. Um, you know, winning is just part of, of what I, what I want to do in sports, you know, I, I, not even just in sports, you know, if you play me in, in Scrabble or, or Foursquare, or I'm just so competitive and, and I'm not going to quit. If you beat me, I'm coming back for you. You know, I, 
And, you know, I think that that part of my personality has, has been something that the team has been able to, to, you know, put on their shoulders as well and wear it. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I've had that sort of, um, I've had that sort of influence on the team. Um, they've, uh, you know, the, the team has influenced me in a lot of ways as well. Um, you know, I'm, I'm an older guy on the team now, so, you know, they, they give me, they give me like that, that youthful enthusiasm and, um, you know, they, they're always cracking jokes and they, they, they keep me, they keep me grounded and, and make sure, make sure that the game is fun, you know, because, you know, obviously trying to win, 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 you know, putting your head down, working as hard as you can, like that can, that can become exhausting. That can be, you can burn out really, really quick. Um, but like I said, the guys that I have on the team, they, they keep me grounded. They keep, they make it fun. Um, and they make it amazing to, to go out and play for them. Um, every time I get out on the court. It's so inspiring. And to just hear how you've been able to keep so much passion and that competitive streak. And I have to ask, has there been any period of burnout or time where you had to reflect or lost some motivation whether there were things going on personally in your life or after you you won the Paralympics and then it's like, why not retire? So I, you know, I just, as an athlete personally, I know that there were ebbs and flows of, of motivation and good days and bad days. Um, and so I really think that, you know, other athletes competing in training can learn a lot from someone like you that seems to just be, you know, on on you know somewhat of a different path that's really really admirable and I can see how that's been such a a boon to your team so I think one thing that comes to mind you know you 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 said a lot there just you know because the all those things have happened to me um you know I've I, I have you know had I've had lapses of motivation um I have had you know bouts in my in my career where it's just like, okay, you know, I've done this, I've done that. I've accomplished what I've needed to accomplish. Um, what more do I have to prove and who do I have to prove it to? Um, and then I get back on the court and I realize how happy I am there. <laughs> I realize how happy I am there. And then I get on the court again and I realize how much, how much of the game I still have left to learn. Um, I still, I still have so much to, to give. Uh, when I get on the court with a younger teammate, um, and you know, he's trying to figure out how he, t- he can make his, his mark in the game. And I'm still at, at the point of my, in my career where I can, I can give him some game. I can give, you know, I can give the, the, the younger guys, um, something to, um, to aspire to be something to, to, to push towards. And it's not like, I'm just an old guy, you know, whisper in their ear, like, Hey, go left, go right. Um, I'm, I'm actually going out there and giving it to him. I'm, you know, I'm coming from a, you know, a from a different perspective because I'm playing at the same level as them, but I, but I've sort of been there and done that. Um, I, I enjoy, I enjoy giving them that game. I enjoy watching the guys that are coming up from, you know, from the college ranks and the, you know, just coming into the, uh, to the national team. I enjoy watching them shine. Um, I think that's, that's the important uh, part about our team is that we, we really, we really enjoy to see our teammates shine. Um, you know, it's, it's not, you know, there's, there's, you know, 12 guys on a team that could very easily be like, all right, I need to take care of what I'm going to do. I need to score my points. I need to do that. But it's never like that. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm super happy when I see the, you know, the Jake Williams of the world, uh, you know, hit a three and, and solidify us a gold medal or the, you know, the Jorge Sanchez is make their first national team. Um, I'm, I'm just, I'm just pumped all the time. I'm getting goosebumps just talking about my teammates at the moment because I'm, you know, I'm really proud of those guys. 
And um, I'm, I'm happy to, to be able to give them some of that game. Your happiness and joy just kind of exudes and it's it's super contagious. And I notice that I'm smiling more now than I feel like I've smiled in the last week. And, and so I guess I have to ask you because it's another topic that's incredibly interesting to me is your disposition. And do you choose that? Do life events shape your disposition? And you're obviously a role model in, in many ways, certainly for your accomplishments, but you also have this, not only this incredible competitive spirit, but this, this happiness that sits on top of it and this positivity that, that is contagious. And so I'd love to maybe go back to your childhood or whatever point in your life that you maybe noticed that you're different from other people and how positive you were. Um, and if, you know, that was from your family, from your friends, or, or if that was kind of a choice later in life. It's a, it's a mixture of a few things. My, my mother is the most positive woman that I've, that I've ever met. I feel like, I feel like so many things have been thrown at her in life and that she just, she's just always, always the most positive. She's always looking for the, you know, the silver lining in every single thing. Um, and I, I think that sort of rubbed off on me. Um, she, she has such like a, I, I can do it myself kind of mentality. She's just as stubborn as I am. And um, that, that's, that's, that's rubbed off of me in a lot of ways with the, with the whole positivity thing. You know, a lot, a lot of people tell me that like, you know, you're like super positive. Like, are you, do you ever feel, you know, that you're negative about anything? Yeah. I, I get negative about a lot of things. You know, I, sometimes I, you know, I feel down. I, you know, sometimes I'm sad about things as well. Um, but I, but I find that when I focus on the positive things around me, when I focus on the greatness around me, when I focus on the people that love me, the people that support me, um, the the beautiful position I'm in to be able to play a sport that I, I honestly love with my with my entire being, you know, um, I, I'm I'm just lucky, you know. I don't, you know, I'm not. I guess I'm not just overly positive. I'm just I'm just aware of 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 my reality. Um, it this is this is awesome. Um, you know, I'm speaking to you about about sport. You know, we're we're having this conversation about things. Um, that, that we both, that we both love. This is, this is just, an, it's, it, I'm in, I'm in a very fortunate position. Um, you know, a lot of like, maybe, maybe some people, you know, struggle to see how fortunate a position they're in. You know, I've, obviously I have, a, I have a physical disability, um, but I was born with my physical disability. So for me, I'm, I've always been running, jumping, climbing, <laughs> like this isn't something that's been taken away from me. Um, you know, some people have acquired their disability later in life. Um, so, you know, it, that could be a little bit harder of a pill to swallow. But for me, this has always been who I am. This has always been my reality. Um, and it's it's opened so many amazing doors for me. Um, you know, what I if I was an able-bodied kid growing up, would I would I made it to the you know national team? Would I've been in the NBA? I, I don't know. Who knows? But um, I you know I'm speaking to you right now. I'm in Spain now. I grew up in Detroit, Michigan. You know, just, I'm a long way from home now. You know, this is. This is just a cool opportunity and I just keep I just keep going with it. It's such a great reminder that so many of us have so much and you know, so many Olympic and Paralympic athletes included. And oftentimes we are not able perhaps to see the incredible opportunity. This, you know, the participation in the games is, you know, it's a moment of a lifetime. And it's something that you'll tell your grandkids about and 
And so I think in, in those moments, some people are just so focused on the need to perform and expectations and maybe the sacrifice. And so I think it's so beautiful to see the flip side of that and see the opportunity and getting to travel through Europe and what you get to represent. Uh, so I think that that's a great reminder for, for everyone, not just, just athletes. And what something that you said, how much you love being on the court and how much it's just a part of you brings me to the topic of identity, which is a big theme for, for me personally. And I think for many athletes who are choosing to retire and, and we give so much of our lives every day doing the same thing. We're defined by it. There are teammates are in the same sport, our competitors. It's kind of what we live and breathe. And we're thinking about, um, you know, a world championship or a, a Paralympic Olympic games four years away. And it, it, it consumes us. And so what happens when you retire and when that's no longer the driving purpose of your life? I wanted to ask you, because I know that in a, I think a previous article I read or a podcast I listened to, you said that basketball, wheelchair basketball is a big part of your life and maybe it's your whole life. And, and so I want to know how you think about retiring or how you think about what's next or how that identity transforms or kind of moves, moves forward with you. So I, I stand by, by that statement that I made before, you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, I always tell people that wheelchair basketball is a big part of my life. And I think that's, that's, that's a wrong statement. The wheelchair basketball very, very much is my life. It, it is. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's all the, all the, you know, my, my greatest uh, achievements have been through the sport. Um, all of the, you know, most of the relationships that I've, that I've, that I've made my friendships, the places I've traveled, um, being able to be college educated, this, all of, all of those things stemmed from, uh, wheelchair basketball um so it's it is it is very much my life um as far as the retirement thing um i think where my where my where my mindset is right now is that i want to give so much to the game while i while i still can and now that i'm now that i'm playing at a high level i want to want to continue to to contribute to that but when I'm done, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be happy with what I was able to leave behind and the the you know the what what I what I've been able to do in the in the sport and in the game. Um, I think that I've left sort of a legacy there um, for people to follow, um, and I'll and I'll be happy with that. Um, I'll be happy to um, just kind of bow out gracefully or ride off into the sunset or whatever, whatever wheelchair basketball players do when they're done doing it. Um, but I, um, I, I would like to think that I've, uh, that I've done enough to, um, to leave that legacy and give, give someone a positive uh, role model to follow and a positive legacy to, to aspire to, to accomplish. That's beautifully put. Well, if you want to talk some point in the year after your 10th game, <laughs> you want to retire. I'm here. <laughs> I want to continue on this uh, identity track and ask you, because it's something that in a variety of ways people struggle with and definitely relate to, even though every story looks pretty different. And I know that you've talked about this tension or juxtaposition of wanting to be embraced by society uh, while not fitting into any neat cookie cutter mold. And we live in this 
social media society that that preys on us a little bit. And you can feel like if you don't post something, you, you you're not existing, or people don't know you're there. And so I'd love um, you know to hear you expand on that sentiment. That's an interesting point, just because I do I do find that to be sort of a sort of a challenge that that presence that we all that we all want to have. But you know, it's it's sometimes in order to in order to be present, you have to sort of go along with what is acceptable at the at the time you know be be on this platform and do it this way and you know it's um sometimes you i feel like you sort of have to sort of keep up this keep up appearances a bit and like a bit of social utility just posting for the sake of of being being out there for putting yourself out there i found i found that that using my social media to to sort of highlight my achievements not only just highlight my achievements but try to find ways to to also highlight some of my talents as well um you know i do i do a little bit of writing myself and um i try to i try to highlight that a bit in in my in my social posts so i'm not just out there you know putting emojis and and you know hashtags i want i want people to know that i have something to say i, I try to I try to highlight a little, a little bit of those things and I, I I find that to be fun as well um you know maybe maybe when i'm when i'm done playing wheelchair basketball i'll I'll, uh, I'll, pursue, I'll pursue something uh, pursue something like that as well, just because I, I really enjoy creative writing and putting my thoughts down. And um, I think I I think I have some pretty creative thoughts, and and that there'll be it'll be something fun to explore when this is all said and done. Certainly, and I think younger athletes and aspiring athletes get so much out of the thoughts or experiences of someone who's been around and competed at the highest level for so long because you've had to deal with so much and overcome so many obstacles to stay at the top of your game for so long. There was something else that you, I think, said recently that absolutely blew me away and made complete sense. And you were speaking about disabilities and you said that you see everyone in life as having some kind of disability. And for some people, it's super obvious. Everyone can see it. For instance, if you're in a wheelchair, but for some people, it's invisible. And I've never really thought about it in that way, but it really makes um, perfect sense. Can you speak about that in a little bit more detail and, and maybe like when that idea or realization came to you? Definitely. It's just, it's just that I know that when I'm coming down the street or, you know, I could be a mile away, people can see me and they, they know what my, what my, problem is you know they know they know what's what's wrong with me immediately or they they can see um, my my disability right away um i think that you know just just through my through my relationships and and through people that i've known and um just just sort of speaking with people um it it seems to me that everyone has something um everyone has something that 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 sort of hinders them that pulls on them that weighs on them you know, I'm, I'm very empathetic to those types of things. Um, I've, you know, I have a lot of friends that, that deal with those types of t- types of issues. And um, that that has made me, like I told you, just extremely empathetic. And um, now now I'm very, very much aware if, you know, if someone wants to tell their story or someone, um, you know, I, it's not, not even not even the whole judge a book by its cover thing, just sort of just get to know what people's what people's not what their issues are, but who they are and what they represent and, and, and what, what might be the thing that holds them back. 
I think that's a great reminder. And I think we don't realize the baggage we carry or what we apply the term disability to and how much more expansive it is if we really think about, you know, how depression and other things can really take over our lives and not let us kind of do the things that we want to do. And I think that's just really important to to remember and amazing that you can use that lens as you as you look out into the world. And my last question on identity, as a Black American man competing for the U.S., you know, I have to ask you what it means in this current climate. And 2020 has been a remarkable year for a number of reasons. And one of those is certainly Black Lives Matter the movement. And, and I know you compete on a team that's predominantly white and a white staff. And, and I would love to hear what your experience has been like and maybe how it's changed over time. But, you know, really like in this kind of political, social, cultural climate, what that's like for you. And, you know, you're not only an American, but you spend much of your time training and competing overseas. So you really have this global perspective. Definitely. Um, I think, I think now, is is even more important for me to to represent to to be a part of Team USA um, to to be be you know be a part of this the team that I'm on um, and represent to the to the best of my ability um, because you know I think there there has been a lot of you know social unrest and and racial tension in in the in the in the states and that's not a secret to anybody that that you know that's sort of come to a head and. Um, things things have gotten gotten really really out in the open and, and it's 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 gotten ugly at times and but I, but I think that me being able to represent Team USA on on the wheelchair basketball team or at, or at any capacity it just it just shows that you know I I I, I do love America for for what it is to me um, you know America is you know where I was born um, it's it's you know it's where everybody that that I, you know all my family members it's it's where they live it's where they breathe it's where you know we've we've created memories together I don't see America as a as a divisive place you know I know that you know when I when I live over here in Europe a lot of people you know like oh you know you know the, the states is so racist and everything you know every how do you how do you do this with whoever is running your country or how do you do this and um, how do you, you know, put these letters across your chest? It's because I'm very proud of where I come from. Um, I'm very proud of it, and I think that the the, the division and um, and the the racial, you know, racial things, and I, I think that's a very small portion of the country. And I think that um, it's it's not it's not every it's not it doesn't make up the the, the ideology of the country of of a whole. You know, it's we you know we represent something much more than that. Um, and on the wheelchair basketball team, um, you know, we're all brothers, like I told you, you know, earlier in the podcast, um, and we want to represent each other. Uh, we want to, we want to be the best in the world. We want to represent each other. We want to have each other's back on and off the court. Um, and those guys have, have all hit me up during this, during these times of, of, you know, social unrest. And, um, a lot of those guys wanted, you know, just wanted to, you know, know how I felt about it. Coach, coaching staff included, um, you know, it just it just shows that you know we're we're just we just operate on a different um just a different sort of channel you know we we uh we've got each other's back um and i think it's just very very important for me to represent at this time and um yeah i want to be a part of uh want to be a part of team usa more than ever well that that was really beautifully and and well said and i think that's it's a great reminder and not to stay and really 
heavy topics, but I do want to ask you about an event that I think is is really seminal to your experiences and who you are. And I know that at the, I think the end of 2018 or early 2019, you were hospitalized for septic shock and almost died, which is crazy. Uh, can you describe the events that led to that and what was going through your mind when you realized you're on the verge of death? <laughs> so that that was a very, very trying, trying time. I'm scary, scary uh, more scary than anything, just because uh, when I when I first woke up well, from from being in septic shock, I'd, I'd been I'd been sleeping for or not sleeping. I'd been in a coma for just under seven days. Um, that nothing like that has ever happened to me before. Um, when I first woke up, I couldn't even hold a glass of water and bring it to my face. Um, so uh, obviously, the first question I was asking people is if I was going to be able to play basketball again. <laughs> I don't know why that was the first question, but I just wanted to <laughs> just wanted to know if I was going to be able to play. Um, you know, everybody obviously, you know, assures you everything's going to be fine in that situation, but I just wasn't sure. Um, everything was, um, everything was a, a bit up in the air. Um, that was, that was a very, very scary, scary time. Um, I, I ended up spending the next four months in the hospital, just sort of trying, you know, getting, getting back healthy and, um, trying to recover from that. Yeah, that was, that was a hill to climb. Uh, you know, just getting my strength back, just, you know, laying in the hospital, this, this whole, this whole COVID situation, everybody's like locked down and, and, you know, talking about quarantines and all that. Like I, that was a real quarantine. Like I was like bedridden for, for four months and, and just couldn't even leave my hospital room, which, um, which was a, which was a situation that I'd never been, never been sort of privy to, but, um, you know, obviously, um, my, my teammates supported me. Um, you know, my family was there for me. Um, and, and all my friends, you know, just always sort of reassured me. Um, I've got I've got such a great support system. It's a, it's unbelievable. People talk about my mindset and how I'm able to stay positive and um, and all those things. It's it's because of the people that support me. It's because of the people that that I know truly love me and they want they want to see me win. Um, so I have to I have to give them that best output. I have to give my best for them because they believe in me. So if they believe in me so much, I've got to give them my all to to sort of make things happen. So. That was a, a scary situation, but I got through it. And right after that, you went through an incredibly intense recovery process to regain your strength, which I want to ask you what that looked like. And ultimately, you were playing in the Parapan American Games, and you won, and you qualified for Tokyo. So can you, in a little <laughs> more detail from not being able to leave your bed to all of a sudden winning a major event and qualifying kind of I, what that was like zero to a hundred. I dominated that tournament too. I dominated in that tournament. <laughs> you know, so um, the, the process to getting back was, was so much easier because, so I was, I was just really upfront with, with all the, all the staff um, about what, you know, where I was. Um, so they were, you know, they had plans out for me just to hit the ground running. Um, you know, I was, I was, I was on with the nutritionist. I was on with the strength and conditioning coach. Um, I was, you know, I was on with the, uh, with sports psych, you know, so I was, I mean, I was, I was ready to go. Um, you know, I was, when I was in the hospital and couldn't do much, I was meditating and just kind of getting my, getting my mental game right. 
uh, when I was able to finally do do a bit of uh, physical activity, I was probably doing more than they than they were uh, <laughs> were saying that that I was was able to. Um, but I, I was patient with it. Um, I was patient with it. I, I did every you know did everything the doctors told me. Um, but you know they 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 set out a plan for me to uh, sort of you know hit the different benchmarks. Um, and I was always ready to plow through them every time. I want to move on to the opportunities that you found in Europe and ultimately where you are now. And when did you decide to move to Europe and why, just for people that might not have as much context of, um, you know, the different professional opportunities you have in Europe versus the United States? So there's a, there's a huge league out here um, in the, in, in Europe, it's IWBF Europe. So there's, there's teams in Spain, Germany, France, there's about five or six countries. What what you end up doing is you play within that league. So right now I'm in I'm in Spain. I play in the Spanish league, um, and then towards the end of the season you start to play tournaments against teams from other other uh, nations. So there'll be there'll be a tournament with uh, with a team from Spain, Germany, France, and you end up you end up playing all the way up to the top. And um, at the, at the very end you you know see who's the best in Europe. Um, which is usually my team. <laughs> so, <laughs> of I I got the opportunity uh, just by playing on the national team. You play against all these different nations, um, so you you see all these European teams, and um, you know they they do some recruiting um, heavily. You know they they want to they want the best the best players in the world to, to come play in these in these leagues. Um, so you you have players from you know as far as Australia. You know you have players from Japan. You have you know all the all the best players that we see in the Paralympics are all out here playing um, competitively, which is which is amazing. Well, it's so nice that you have those opportunities, and Europe's not a a bad place to be. Uh, great food and culture. I wanted. I, I heard you mention quite a few times how much you've seen the Paralympic movement grow in recent years, and how important that is. And so, my question is is twofold. When you, I want to know when you were first introduced to the Paralympic movement, when that first crossed your radar, and then also maybe why you think that in recent years people are more aware and what you would like to see for more of the world to be aware of the Paralympic athletes and the games and what it really means. I think that the, I think the Paralympic movement is growing is because more people have access to it. Like it's that we're, we're more, we're more accessible. Like you can, you can, you can see it um, whether it's on social media or um, some, some big companies are starting to, you know, take on some, some, some major Paralympians and, and, and highlighting their, their accomplishments. So when people start to see it, like in the mainstream, then they start taking it seriously. I, I think, I think, you know, for example, wheelchair basketball, you know, what I, what I can speak on. Um, but I think most Paralympic sport is, is, is awesome. <laughs> I think, it, I think it's all amazing. Uh, but it's, it, I, especially wheelchair basketball, it's like one of those things that you have to see to fully appreciate. Um, you know, if I was to, if I was to call you on the phone and say, Hey, um, so there was this guy, you know, he had one arm, he dribbled up the court, he did a spin move fell out of his wheelchair and made a hook shot from half court. Yeah, I mean, that sounds kind of cool, 
But then, like, if you lock in and you see that happen, like, you're never going to go away from that sport. You're like, oh, my God, like, that guy is a true athlete. That was phenomenal. I can't believe what I just saw. There, you can't explain some of the things that happen in our sport. You, you just can't. It's not something that you you can't type a message and say, hey, I just check this out. You can't call somebody on the phone. It's like you, you got to see it to believe it. And now that more people are seeing it, the game is growing just because or the 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 movement's growing because more people have, have seen it and they they're starting to cop on. And it's, 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 it's an amazing thing. That sounds amazing. And, and when did you just first become exposed to the Paralympic idea and movement and know that, Hey, this is out there and, and I want to be competing. I want to win. So (laughs) I remember my first wheelchair basketball practice. I was kind of I was kind of skeptical about wheelchair basketball when I first started playing. I I, I didn't really know, um, but when I came to my first uh, first practice, one of my teammates who's still on the national team with me today, um, you know, it's it's a funny thing because I was always asking like, all right, so okay, this is this is this level, okay, so like, who's the best? Like, show show me who the best is. I wanna I wanna beat him. I wanna play him one on one. I would always say like that kind of stuff. Um, you know, tell me who the best is. Like, how do you how do you become the best? No, I mean, he would tell me like, all right, the best, the best are at the Paralympics. And, um, you know, we would, we would watch, watch little highlights and we would watch, um, watch game tapes of, uh, of the highest level players. Um, but I never thought that, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna be there, you know, it was just like, oh man, like that's okay. That's, that's big time. You know, those guys got USA jerseys on, they're playing at the, at the Paralympics. Okay. That, that's, that's where it is. Um, when I started to, uh, when I remember when I first got my first basketball chair, because I was playing, I was playing like not really in like a competition chair. I was just playing in my like everyday chair. Um, when I first got locked into the game and played in my first chair, um, that's when I was like, I think I can do this. That's my goal. That's what I want to do. Um, I, I wasn't ready at the time, but I knew that that's where I wanted to be. And that was, that was early. I was, I was still in high school back then. Wow. Oh, I love that. So I have a few more questions before we close. And I think, you know, your kind of your attitude, your experience is, um, is incredibly inspirational to so many. And you, you have such a unique perspective that I, I would love to ask you the advice that you might give to a young kid growing up with a disability or to parents of a kid growing up with with a disability. Because I think what you see, you believe you can do and be and and maybe certain people don't have the access or exposure um, that, that you were fortunate enough um, to get early in your life. And I'm sure they would love to hear your thoughts on that. I think the advice that I would give a young kid with a disability um, is just don't quit. Like always, always look for a way to, to accomplish what you need to accomplish. Um, I think so, it's so easy. Um, it's so easy in our society to, if, if you have a disability and, you know, if, if I wanted to, if I wanted to complete something or if I needed to do something, if I just said like, oh, I can't, I bet somebody would probably do it for me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think someone would try to find an easy way out for me. Um, I mean, if it's something physical, like if it, oh, I can't reach this or I can't uh, get over this or I can't pop up this curb or just simple things. I think people are always looking to to want to help someone that's that's physically challenged. Um, but I, I would I would encourage someone with a with a disability to always try to overcome those challenges because those those small challenges overcoming them builds such a builds such a discipline and it builds such a mindset 
that none, not nothing is going to get in your way, not any little barrier, um, you know, whether it be a curb or some stairs or something major in your life that you need to, you know, overcome, you know, loss or, or death or, you know, th- these, these little small barriers in your life, um, they could, they could, you know, if you get over those, you can, you can get over this, this, the major ones that, that happen in your life. And I think that my, my biggest uh, sort of thing that I would tell someone is just don't, don't let people overcome things for you. You should overcome them for yourself. That's a good piece of advice. Tokyo, I'm sure your goal is to win, but I, I guess I would ask going into your fifth Paralympic Games is such an accomplishment in its own right and what it's about for you, what you're looking forward to, um, you know, if it's about the experience for you, about bringing home gold or just kind of surviving this year and a half of a pandemic and finally making it to the other side after a year of being postponed. I'd love to hear your thoughts. I know athletes are really thinking about, you know, what it's like to be uh, competing during this time. So, you know, my, my biggest, my biggest goal right now is obviously staying ready for that, for that time when it comes, Um, you know, when, when, when Tokyo 2021 comes, I know that I'm going to be ready and my teammates are going to be ready. We're, We're holding each other accountable to, to be ready for this thing. Um, I just want to focus on the entire process. Um, you know, this, this very well might be my last game. Um, so I want to just focus on every, every piece of the puzzle. I want to, want to focus on every stop, every training camp. Um, you know, even when we get together, when it's just on zoom and we're, you know, making fun of each other's hairdos and (laughs) when it's, you know, I just want to, I know that this particular team won't be a team ever again. You know, just because, you know, where guys are at in the, in their careers, you know, some, you know, there's a lot of guys that this, this is their last game. Um, some of them miss their first game, um, but I just want to focus on it all. Um, and I want us all to embrace the entire road of it um, because each game has presented something amazing to me, um, whether it was my first one or, you know, like this one that might be my last. Um, and I want to just, just take it all and take it all in stride and, and, and really appreciate every bit of it because this, this is, like I said earlier in the podcast, this is awesome. You know, the, the, the opportunity that we have to play the game that we love and represent the country that we're from. It's, it's all amazing. So I want to just focus on the, focus on the road ahead. That's the beauty of an athlete that is going into multiple games is you really have that perspective and appreciation. So I, I really enjoyed that answer. And the last question I have for you, which I ask everyone, is what is your Olympic or Paralympic moment in life? And something that really stands out to you as perhaps life-changing or, you know, the idea is it's that moment that many athletes have when they are standing on the podium and it's like everything they've been training for and they've accomplished it. And, you know, we all have moments like that maybe outside of sport and curious what that might be for you. So I mentioned earlier that, you know, I, I grew up, I grew up in Detroit and I'm out, I'm out here in, I'm out here in Europe now. It's a long way from home. Um, I remember, um, cause my, my mother is, you know, she's, she's someone that not, not only look up to is just, she's just the greatest person I know. You know, she's always supported me. Um, she's always been so encouraging and, um, 
it's, it was it was a big 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 goal of mine to uh, to bring her over to Europe because she doesn't travel much. You know, she doesn't she doesn't leave she doesn't leave uh, she doesn't leave Michigan too often. Um, so uh, when I was out in, when I was out in Europe, um, is living in Italy at the time and playing for a team um, um, called Porta Torres um, in the you know s- southern Italy. Um, my I flew my mother out to uh, to a game to to watch me play, um, which was which was really cool because we got a chance to, you know, celebrate the win that I got, um, you know, stay, you know, stay really, really close to the sea and just kind of show my mom a little bit of the world. Um, and like I said, you know, it was a long way from home and I don't come from much. So this, it was a, it was a really, really cool moment for me. Um, just being able to show my mom the world. And um, yeah, that was, that was, that was a big moment for me. Oh, that sounds amazing. And Italy is such a beautiful place to do that. Well, Matt, thank you so much for sharing your your story and your thoughts and your time today. This is so inspirational and I'm I'm so excited for for everyone else to get to hear it and get to know you better. Thank you so much. I appreciate your time. And good luck. We're all excited to root for you this year. That's right. Go team USA. Please subscribe to Sasha Sessions wherever you get your podcasts. You can find new episodes every Monday. Produced by Bigfoot Music and Sound in New York City.